Welcome and thank you for joining me for season two of Just Black Talking. I am your host, Dr. Justin Black, proud alumnus of Morgan State University, the national treasure represent anesthesiologist by profession, podcaster by this passion. Look, I push dope for a living. And with you, I'm here talking about living dope with dope ass people. As always, I'm here to magnify the successes and stories of exceptional black America as seen through my lenses. What does that mean? Look, I don't know about you, but I'm surrounded by dope blackness. So much so, I'm guilty of it. I take it for granted. Seemingly ordinary folk actually living their exceptional versions of the black American dream. Yet we're saturated with this narrow-minded, unproductive, purposefully negative depiction of what society has defined and perceived as being black. Well, enough of society defining blackness. We're here to shift perceptions, define definitively what blackness in America is. It's time to blackwash that old dusty ass narrative and refresh it. You might not understand it, but it's going to be something about it that you like. Because it's looking good, it's smelling good, like cocoa butter around lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? Like Missy said, we're going to flip it and reverse it. Black is infinite. It encompasses all things. We're the originators, trendsetters, overcomers, resilient, literally forged in fire. We are the original people. Black America, this is our soapbox. I want to showcase your greatness, share your stories, give you your shine, and help empower others to live in their authenticity. Our people need to understand that there are all these extraordinary people that look like them everywhere doing all these exceptional things, and they can do it too. We want people of all nationalities, ethnicities, cultures, and identifications to be encouraged. So I invite you to stay and listen and care to hear what your fellow Americans are up to. Don't get me wrong, maybe a little funny acting at first until we know that you're down, but that's systemic. Just come on board with this experience with us as we tell the untold tales and share the unspoken stories and successes of exceptional black America. All right. So before we get started, here's the house rules. We got five of them. Number one, take your shoes off at the door. Wife gonna get upset. Number two, if this is your first visit, I will serve you. But after that, you're on your own. Number three, bring drinks. And yeah, you can bring drinks for me too. However, if your drink is glowing in the dark or filled with sugar, go and keep that for yourself. Number four, white folks, please inquire, but refrain from interrogating. I know, Karen, I know. You want it to be one way, but it's the other way. Number five, learn something you didn't know you wanted to learn about and be entertained. It is okay to laugh. Look, I think that covers it. I am Dr. Justin Black. This is Just Black Talking. Let's go. I define what success is for myself, and that's not driven by the amount of money we raise, but it's decided by the people, the one person or the multiple people we impact. It means nothing to me if food on the stove raises $10 million, even though we could use $10 million. (laughs) It means nothing to me if we raise $10 million, but the firefighters we seek to impact aren't being impacted. Hello again, and welcome back to Just Black Talking. I hope you're ready for another hit of this black dopeness. Real hit of some black smack. (laughs) All right, I'll settle down. I'll settle down. But what am I talking about? Look, part of the mission here with Just Black Talking is not just to put you on to interesting and amazing people and, and things, but it's also, of course, to magnify black excellence and shift perceptions. And I think this episode covers all of it. 
Did you know that firefighters have to buy and prepare their own meals 24-7 at the fire station? I think we can all relate to how difficult it is to maximize healthy options while feeding a crowd on a budget. So we're going to talk about the leading cause of line of duty deaths for firefighters. And here, spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with fires and smoke. In our discussion today, we talk with an amazing brother. Born and raised in Washington, D.C., Jonathan Tate served as a firefighter for nine years before being called away to redirect his efforts and serve the fire station and communities in a new way. Jonathan explains what motivated him to establish his nonprofit organization, Food on the Stove. The organization sets out to bring awareness to health and wellness within the fire service and change the hearts and health of firefighters one meal at a time. He's a wealth of knowledge and is filled with passion and faith. His drive is out of this world, and he makes no doubt about the role that his faith plays in his mission. I think you'll agree this is an inspiring and powerful discussion. He almost had me shouting hallelujah. Almost. So gear up to learn about food on the stove with our guest, once a firefighter, always a firefighter, Jonathan Tate. Hello and welcome. Just Black talking. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Black. This is the podcast come to where we celebrate and magnify Black America through my lenses. Part of these discussions, we shift perceptions, and today it will be no different. We have a wonderful guest with us. I hesitate to say former, so I'm going to say firefighter Jonathan Tate, an exceptional man right here in our own community who's been affecting the lives of uh, all of us by protecting us, serving us. Before we get into all that, let's just go ahead and get introductions out of the way. Jonathan Tate, can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. How's it going today, Dr. Black? Doing very well. Why don't you introduce yourself for me, if you don't mind? My name is Jonathan Tate, native Washingtonian, grew up in Wall 5, Northeast D.C., uh, husband of Precious Tate, father of Genesis and Judah Tate, Genesis being six years old, Judah being two, my two-year-old boy, God-fearing man, and uh, here today with Dr. Black to talk about uh, what I'm doing. You know, I love it, and I love that you started with your priorities in your introduction. You know, I like to do that. I like to have people introduce themselves. It's one thing to say, this is uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones, who was a teacher and these things. But, you know, when we introduce ourselves, we really list our priorities out. And, and I see that being a, being a father is really at the top of your list and serving your family and your God, man. And so really nice to know that. And I think it's going to be a good foundation for us as we get started here. Why don't you give me what I call the black story? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you mentioned your native Washingtonian, but let's let's start. With what got you into firefighting? So I grew up in D.C., Northeast D.C., and firefighting has been around me for as long as I can remember. Not just fire trucks and ambulances running up and down the street, but I'm a second generation firefighter. My father, James Tate, worked for DCFD. From 1956 to 1989, where he retired at the rank of deputy fire chief in D.C. Fire Department. So I grew up kind of in the fire department, seeing firefighters on a daily basis. His friends that he would invite to the house would be firefighters. We would go down to the shop where he was the deputy fire chief, the maintenance, the apparatus division. We, My brother and I would jump on the fire trucks. My father was a coordinator of the fire department parade back in the day. So my brother and I would ride on the fire trucks back in the day in the fire department parade. So I was exposed to it at an early age, but never thought that I would be a firefighter growing up. A couple of things I hear with that. I hear a sense of community, first of all, 
that station, your father was all embedded in that community with the parades and, and things of that nature. And also hear leadership. Your father spent a full career uh, that spanned, you know, over a generation giving service and, and being a leader in that. And I think uh, that makes sense considering what you are now involved with. But again, before that, one of the things I came across when, when I reached out to you was a story about another father and son firefighting duo, uh, the McCrays. And I believe the story was about uh, Davon McCray, and it really was focused on how his life has changed since the passing of his father, who, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Lieutenant Kevin McCray. Can you speak a little bit about the McCrays? It kind of amplified my vision for Food on the Stove, which is my nonprofit organization that we'll get into, I'm sure, a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But Lieutenant McCray was the 100th member to die in the line of duty in D.C. Fine EMS, and unfortunately he died at the cause of a heart attack, which is the leading cause of firefighter line of duty deaths. Davon McCray, like myself, followed in his father's footsteps to be a firefighter. He's actually assigned to the same company that his father was last assigned to the lieutenant of and now holds the position as the wagon driver of the same apparatus that his father used to be in charge of. So I'm super proud of Davon McCray uh, and what he has done and kind of taken up the mantle to be an advocate for health and wellness, being as though what happened to his dad, but also being a leader in his own right, climbing the ranks and being a technician in that firehouse and being resilient. So I'm super proud of what he has done and the resilience he has shown. I don't know what uh, the two of you's relationship is. I, I do see some of the similarities. We spoke about uh, your father as he aged and, and as he also suffered with some heart disease that affected him late in life. And both you and, and Devon would share in some of that pain and suffering of watching your, your, your strong, proud fathers succumb in that way. What can you say about the relationship that you have with Devon at this point? Uh, Davon and I are extremely cool. When I decided to honor Lieutenant Kevin McRae with the documentary, I first went to his wife, but also just as important, I went to Davon knowing that he was on the job. I didn't want to do things without the family's blessing. So I went to Davon and I told him what my vision was to honor his father, which was to do a documentary on heart disease that focused on his dad's life. But it's really told, the story is told through the eyes of Davon. So what we did is we did that documentary. It's a six minute and 30 second short documentary on heart disease in the fire service. And it focuses on his life and the incident that happened that day. And then we built or we were able to renovate the gym inside of that firehouse in which Dave Bond cut the ribbon. And we invested $60,000 into that gym in that firehouse, which is now the Lieutenant Kevin McRae Memorial Gym that sits at Engine 6. And we renovated the whole thing. But that was done through Davon's blessing. And he was the one who cut the ribbon. So our relationship is great. I think that we hold something in common, losing our fathers. Him a little bit different because he lost his father in the line of duty. I lost him to my father nine years after he retired. But nevertheless, we share a great love for our fathers and the leadership that they show, not on, only on the fire department, but in our homes. So, yeah, Davon and I have a great relationship, I would like to think. So we have a lot to get into. Before we do, I want to I want to get a little bit of clarification on some things. You mentioned which engine in the firehouse that where Devon is, and, and that it was the same apparatus that his father had worked as well. There's a couple of things I came across that I'd like you to explain for me. There's um, the big house, 
And then there's the House of Pain in D.C. Speak to me a little bit about these things. These are historic references. So the big house is Engine 6, Truck 4, which sits at on New Jersey Avenue right across from Dunbar. The House of Pain is Engine 10, which is in the Trinidad area, sits on Florida Avenue. I was assigned to Truck Company 6, which is considered the House of Flame, which is in Columbia Heights. Used to reside on Park Road, which my dad used to be at, which was Truck Company 6 at 1338 Park Road. Then it moved around the corner and now houses Engine 11 and Truck Company 6, which sits at uh, 3420 14th Street. So a lot of history, a lot of pride in these locations, these these houses, so to speak. We talk about leading causes of death. And obviously coming out of this this COVID pandemic, things have been a little topsy-turvy where I think the projections here in, in 2022 are that COVID may be taking over as the either number one or number two leading cause of death particularly in the age demographic of, of 45 to 54 years old, which which is kind of a serviceable age group for active career like fire fighting. But people may not actually understand how involved being a firefighter is and how active being a fighter fighter is and what it requires of you. And what I want to make sure that we highlight as we, again, talk about shifting these perceptions, the leading cause of death for firefighters is not directly fire-related. Right, right. It's actually a heart disease in the line of duty. When you hear about firefighters dying in the line of duty, most of the time it's a heart attack. The majority of the time it's, it's a heart attack. In 2018, 44% of all firefighters who die in the line of duty die from a heart attack. And then there's some studies show that the life expectancy for a firefighter is 10 to 15 years less than every other employee in America. So, I think it's super important that firefighters with having this taxing job of having all these elements up against them and your heart has to operate properly as being a firefighter. You you might wake up in the middle of your sleep, which is not normal, and hit the ground running, sliding the pole, jumping on the fire truck to go respond to a call. This is wear and tear over your heart and you're expected to work this job for 25 years and you're going through your adrenaline rushing and your heart rate going up over and over and over again over the course of 25 years. If you're not taking care of yourself, this could potentially weaken your heart. So I like to liken firefighters to to athletes. I like to call them not your ordinary athlete, though. I would agree with you. Uh, and just to, to further drive that point home, let's outline what a typical, particularly at some of these busy locations that we discussed, House of Flame, uh, House of Pain, things like this, a typical shift. You talk about waking up from your sleep. How often is it that you even get to sleep? Um, not at all. It's a 24-hour job. So if you're lucky enough to go to sleep, it's not likely you will be there long. You won't You won't be laying in your bed long. It's likely, especially in a city like D.C., we run anywhere from about 200,000 calls a year across 33 firehouses and a, a fireboat. But a lot of these busier houses take the bulk of the calls. And some of that's geographic, you know, just just location. And, and you know, this is where the action is and you guys are getting called. And it's not just fires, obviously. Talk about some of the other obligations and services that being a firefighter may entail. Yeah. So in D.C., you're required to be if you've been hired recently, at least within the last 10 years or even the last 20 years, you're required to be a five, not only a firefighter, but an EMT as well or a paramedic. Uh, so we're not only running fire calls. We are running 
emergency services calls. We are transporting to the hospital. We are the first ones to touch a patient, whether that's from a trauma patient to a regular sick patient, a CPR patient. Firefighters are the first ones on the scene to render care to that patient. Not just fire calls, we're running EMS calls, we're running everything from fire alarms to welfare checks. So it can become a pretty busy day where you're running anywhere from 20 to 30 calls on a busy day in a 24-hour span. So so multiple calls in an hour. Yeah. And I bring that up just to, again, kind of round out the, the idea that this is more than just even the physical strenuous job. You mentioned some of the, the heart rate, the stress levels like an athlete up and down, up and down multiple times in an hour, whether you're leaving the, the, the station or people in the community sometimes bring things to you. They, they'll, they'll drop off injured patients or they'll come to a station using it as their own kind of uh, urgent care. So a nonstop taxing job that requires quite a bit. Let's go through that a little bit. We did mention that heart disease is the leading cause of death for, for, for firefighters. And so let's talk about how we kind of work backwards. We saw that. You saw that as the end result. Line of duty deaths are heart related. And you worked your way backwards. And then tell me a little bit about that process, how you started to become aware of that and what that did to you. What did that wake up in you? We talked about my dad. So like I said, he worked for DC Fire and EMS or DC Fire Department at the time for 31 years, 31 and some change, was able to climb the rank of deputy fire chief. But a a lot of those during that time, they didn't have all the technology or the gear that we have today. So he wasn't as fortunate enough to benefit from some of the the advancements we have made in, in the fire service. But Nine years after he retired, he ended up passing away after having multiple heart attacks and ended up succumbing to cancer. And when I became a firefighter about nine years ago and I saw how firefighters were eating in a firehouse, I said, this could potentially be why my dad was so sick. So I wanted to do something to change that. I wanted to help my brothers and sisters in the fire service, especially me being health conscious I wanted to do something to, that could potentially affect the, the heart attacks that I was seeing and the increase in cancer diagnosis that, and I believe that started with food. So I started an organization called Food on the Stove. And what we do is provide tools and resources to help firefighters live a healthier lifestyle through enhanced nutrition and exercise. So everyone has heard for heart healthy diets and, and lifestyles, it's diet and exercise. So obviously the nature of the job is giving you guys a decent amount of physical exercise, but it really came down to the dietary portion. I was not aware of this. I don't think I ever really thought about this, but in the fire station, you're responsible for your own meals. Yes, yes. And so that that leads to an opportunity, much like anyone else in our country, you, you need to have a high quantity of food as affordably as possible. And obviously that leads into some questionable choices often for what what we're having. So is it safe to say that that's what's been going on historically in these fire stations? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that is safe to say. I I, want to say with the amount of call volume, we are required to do a lot of physical activity. But just like an athlete, you don't play the game on game day. You have to practice prior, right? And I think what we're seeing is, is that Firefighters are so taxed with the call volume and the amount of working 24 hours on their three days off 
they're not working out as much, nor are they taking care of themselves and getting the proper rest and putting and fueling their bodies properly. I like to say the difference between us and athletes are they are playing a game and we're not. They have an off season and we don't, right? So we always have to drill and train and know our job, but also being that firefighters, firefighting is so physically demanding, we have to do those things not only when we're at work, but even on our off days to prepare ourselves for that for that emergency call that we may reach. So with food on the stove, our pillars are diet and exercise, and we're trying to help firefighters control the controllable. You can't control sleep deprivation because you're only you have 24 hours and it's not likely that you're going to sleep. You can't control the stress of the job. But the only thing you really can control is diet and exercise. So we're trying to help firefighters be more proactive about their health and wellness. Wonderful. Now, let's let's really just take a moment and kind of highlight this. We've mentioned it a couple of times. Food on the stove. Tell me about Food on the Stove. This is your organization. Tell me about the name and the significance of that name and uh, a little bit more about how we came about developing this and what the goals and objectives are. Let me first say, I'd be remiss to say that Food on the Stove is a vision from God. It's uh, what he has called me to do to be a conduit of his love for firefighters. And it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization. I started five years ago. And what we do is we provide tools and resources to help firefighters live a healthier lifestyle through enhanced nutrition and exercise. To tell you why that's so important, the leading causes of death amongst firefighter line of duty deaths are heart attacks. The life expectancy, some studies show, is 10 to 15 years less than every other employee in America. And we're the only occupation that cooks all three meals while at work. And while there's a lot of good meals, they're not necessarily good for you. So as I shared before, we're trying to help firefighters be more proactive about their health by one, educating them, and two, simply putting healthier meals on firehouse tables. And I started this, like I said, five years ago. I started it by I would take, I would work overtime and I asked my my wife, who has been an amazing, not just spouse, but supporter and advocate for food on the stove and firefighter health and wellness. I would take my overtime money. I would ask her, do you mind if I take this money and simply put healthier meals on files tables. I would go to the farm. She said, yes, of course. And I would go to the farmer's market. I would take my money. I would buy what I believe were healthier options for the firehouse. And I would deliver them to the firefighters working that day. At the moment, nobody really understood why I was doing it. And they asked why. And I would tell them I wanted them to eat healthier. Um, and this was my way of of doing that. And I had this vision of food on the stove and what we were going to do to change the culture of health and wellness in the fire service. And When you share a vision and people may not be able to see it, they just think that it may be a fly by night thing. But I was determined to get out what God had put in my mind. So I would continuously take up my own money and I would go buy food. And what ended up happening is we would bring a chef into a firehouse. We would bring a nutritionist into the firehouse and we would teach a class on what we believe is the foundation of eating well, which is how to read a food label. Because oftentimes people look at the front label, but never look at the back label. And we thought we believe that if we can get get you to at least start looking at food differently or paying more attention to the caloric intake or the sodium or the cholesterol that's in food, that's a start to you eating healthier. And what ended up happening is we just kind of grew it from there. Food on the stove is actually a double entendre. It's the number one way to structure fire start due to food being left on the stove unattended. And when I jumped on the fire truck, I would hear that when I first was assigned to truck company six, I would hear over the radio of officers saying, oh, that's just food on the stove. 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to take that name that I keep hearing every day and I'm going to use that to help firefighters pay more attention to the food that's on their stove that's ultimately killing us. So, Jonathan, you got to slow down, baby. You you on the roll, brother. You got you giving me too much. Hold on now. Let me. Sorry about that. Hold on. When, it, when it's food on the stove, I can share all day, man. No. And that's what I love about this. And, and that's what I want to go back to, because we got to highlight a few things here. All right. I mean, again, the, part of this platform is to highlight and celebrate excellence amongst us. OK. Now, you mentioned something and you throw these things out very casually. But this is what makes the difference in life. You're a leader. You have changed and are changing something that's been sitting right in front of us, okay, for, for, for decades. But you mentioned this is a vision from God, okay? Now, part of being a leader, an effective leader in anything, is you have to find your passion. So what I hear with what you're telling me is this passion presented to you, okay, in this vision from God and gave you a sense of purpose such that you now are doing this and no longer actively firefighting. Another thing I hear you say, which we have to always, always acknowledge, the support of your spouse, okay? You had, you had uh, buy-in and support for something that, as you mentioned, you show up to these stations with this food and people don't even understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, but you believed in what you were doing. You believed in it and had the faith to do it. And I just want to highlight that because for anybody out there that's trying to start something, these are some of the, the components of success. Find your passion, believe in your passion. Okay. And you, you've done both of those things. The other thing I'm hearing you say is we. Now, this is not just Jonathan Tate. In fact, this is a family affair for you, isn't it? It is. It is. It's a community affair. It's a family affair and a community affair. I, I realized that I wouldn't be why I am first without Christ, second without my wife, and third, without the support of the community. I didn't build this by myself. There, I, I may have taken the first dollars out of my pocket, but I have had a ton of su supporters, individual supporters. And we've been sponsored by some pretty heavy names when it comes to corporate sponsors. But this is really built on the backs of people, the community, but also firefighters. Firefighters have invested in food on the stove. First, they invested in their health, but they're also investing in a vision so I'm great. I'm super grateful for that. So I can never say I because I realized that, number one, without the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I am. And without him surrounding me with a strong support system, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here today. You've gone in. You've taken chefs into the station houses. You've taken nutritionists into the station houses. Am I right? Yes, sir. You mentioned educating, reading the back of the labels. You're giving some of those you're filling some of those fundamental gaps that many of us have about what we eat and, and the effects of that. And so I, I love that you're, you're bringing in the educational, informative aspects of things. You're teaching and empowering people to make decisions on themselves. I would like to add one thing, Dr. Black. I think while it's important to educate, it's also important to give. And we have built this foundation on giving. We never come in just with information. We come in to serve. So we're coming into your firehouse to share information with you. We're also coming to share a meal with you, right? Because I believe in the importance of meeting a person's immediate need before we go in to try to push our message upon somebody. And Food on the Stove's message isn't to tell you what to eat. It's just helping you to see some of the healthier options and exposing you to some of those healthier options. So never will Food on the Stove go into a firehouse empty-handed because we are we believe in giving. Right. God has given me a vision and he has given me the resources and we're going to give it to firefighters. And that's how we that's we're going to stand on that. 
You know, I heard something just today that, that seems to, to apply. It was another frontline worker in a different field, but they said, who's going to save us while we're saving everybody else? And I think in this respect, you are the one precipitating saving these firefighters while they're saving the rest of us. And I mean, it's just remarkable. It's, it's really something special. You mentioned that these firefighters are investing in food on the stove in their own right. And earlier we mentioned uh, a new gym. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the gym. I think it was a $60,000 uh, structure. A $60,000 project. So before uh, Lieutenant McCray passed, every I'm not going to say every firehouse has a gym. Uh, some have makeshift gyms and some have larger spaces than others. That sounds like some weights on the ground in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some some have nicer equipment than others, but we believe that Lieutenant McCray sacrificing his life, unbeknownst to him at the time, deserved to be honored in a very major way. He was well-loved in our department. Uh, like I said, the 100th member to die in the line of duty. And this is something that God put on my heart. Oftentimes, there have been 99 firefighters who haven't been honored in that way. And I believe all of them deserve to be honored in that way. But I wasn't firefighting 99 years ago. So God put me in a position and it, it moved my heart to do something for this man, especially having this organization called Food and Soul. And, and mind you, I might have met Lieutenant McCray once or twice. Didn't really know him very well. I knew of him, but didn't know him very well. Nevertheless, I deserve, I think he deserved to be honored for his sacrifice. What we did was I typed a special report to send to the chief. I like to say that this was actually an act of God in doing this because I, I sent a special report saying that I wanted to do this gym. Mind you, I didn't have a dollar to do the gym, right? I told I had this big vision. Um, I never really heard back of a response from the chief to do it. And one day I was running on a treadmill and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that you need to go to the chief's office and ask him about that special report because I never got a response. So I got off the treadmill, told my wife what I, I heard God say. And I said, I'm going to go down to the chief's office, which isn't probably the smartest thing for a rookie firefighter to do. You just don't walk in the chief's <laughs> office and make any demands or requests. There's a, a hierarchy and a, a ranking structure in the fire service and you go through your chain of command. But I felt that God was telling me to do this and, the chief's office sits at the corner of 14th and U Street. Normally, there's no parking down there. And I said, God, if this is you, it's going to be a parking space for me to find. Or if not, I'm going to just turn around and go home. I pull up and it's a it's enough for two spot parking spaces right there. So I park my car and I go upstairs to the chief's office and I asked him, you know, what was up with my special report? And I wanted to do this to honor Lieutenant McCray. And he told me in short, I want you to proceed as if it's a yes. So we did a fundraiser where we did the documentary and showed and firefighters responded yet again. And we raised $30,000 that night. We did a, an event to honor Lieutenant McCray. We, we raised $30,000 and we realized that the gym was going to cost a little more than that. So my wife and I banded together and we put our own money up. So we matched the 30000 with our own personal $30,000 and we put it into that gym. You are inspired. This was an inspired act. You had your marching orders, like you said, you, God, God cleared the way for you. You know, I understand hierarchy, but sometimes when you're standing on, on righteousness, things work out that way. Right. And where there's vision, God will give provision. I believe that wholeheartedly. And who am I to say no to God, right? If he told me to do it, I'm doing it. I don't mind. It doesn't mind the, matter the rank and file at that point when God said you got to move. And, that, and that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing 
since the time he's given me the vision of food on the stove and we just keep growing and growing and growing and he's given us increase for it. So I'm grateful. Jonathan Tate, this is spectacular, man. You you really are guided by the beliefs and the faith. And I, I think that's remarkable. It's, it's something we don't see as much of these days. Thankfully, so many people are benefiting from it in a way that needs to be so desperately. Again, I, I find this whole thing eye-opening. We take fire stations for granted. At least I do. You know, you hear them, you see them, but you really don't understand what's going on inside of them and the sacrifices the men and women there are, are really making for us. And so you putting your hands in, in there to lift them, protect them, and have them live healthier, better lifestyles, you can't say enough about that. What's been more satisfying for you? You had a stable nine-year, nine-plus-year career. You jumped out of that to go out on faith for this vision. But which of those things are you proudest of? One, that God called me. I think in the last two years, my relationship with God has grown even more because I've seen him move in my life in ways that I never thought that uh, he would. And it's increased my faith. And like you said, I know this isn't common to hear from someone our age. This is usually the elders talking like this. But um, God really just has opened my eyes to the things that he would do and how he rewards those who diligently seek him. And this isn't about John. This is really about Christ at the end of the day. He's given me a vision. And what people are seeing with food on the stove is what happens when a person commits himself to the kingdom of God. And firefighting for me, I believe that there's a scripture that says there's no greater love than those who will lay down their lives for their friends. But there's people in firefighting who are laying down for people who don't they don't even know. And you can't put a price. I don't care how much you get paid. You can't put a price on a person risking their lives. So while we're here talking about me, the real story is about these men and women and names of people you'll never know. And that's who we fighting for. That's who we standing for, because these people put their lives on the line. Men and women put their lives on the line every day for people they may not know. And sometimes it can be a thankless job. You may not hear thank you. You may not hear we appreciate you. All they want is their check at the end of the day. And and sometimes it's not even a check, because if you realize 70% 70% of firefighters in this country are volunteer. So only, only 70%. T- 70% of firefighters in this country are volunteers, p- meaning they don't even get a paycheck for what they do. They're working other jobs and then they go to the firehouse to serve their community and put their lives on the line because they really believe in serving their community. So we're standing up for them. I think the least that we can do is put a healthier meal on their table to show them some love, to show our appreciation for them. And One of my first prayers when I started Food on the Stove was that God would make this self-sustainable because I knew it couldn't last if I just kept taking money out of my own household. And I'm happy to say that since I prayed that, I haven't taken money out of my own household, but it's the community who has responded to what we're doing. And we get everything from $10 a week to $500 a week to people like Amazon Web Services, Giant, United Healthcare, Host Hotels, Verizon. Pepsi to sponsor what we're doing and to show their appreciation. So we are able to be that middleman for those to show their appreciation for the fire service as well. So it's just black talking, but we got John Tate out here preaching y'all food on the stove. He's talking about a passion love project, reaching into these fire stations on faith, digging in his own pocket 
And then suddenly you don't have to do it no more. It's a self-sustaining project. God bless you. And let me be one amongst many to say thank you for what you're doing. It's just stupendous. I mean, this is what this whole discussion is about. You know, and I keep running into to cats like you, man, that are super humble and never want this. But it's about celebrating people just like yourself that are doing these extraordinary things right in our midst. And that's exactly what this is. So you mentioned some, but tell me some more about who you've partnered with and who's been giving you support from the community that maybe you expected or didn't even expect that's been supportive. So during the pandemic, it was tough for firefighters to get food because Grocery stores put limitations on the amount of food that you can buy due to people hoarding food. So the first act of love and kindness that we saw was we partnered with 28 different restaurants to feed firefighters every day for a year and a half. And it wasn't it wasn't just about our message at that point. It was about meeting the immediate need, which was putting meals on tables because firefighters were pulling meals from their own homes to feed each other. And we don't think that's any way for somebody that's working on the front line to be. So what we did, we partnered with 28 restaurants, everybody from Ruth Chris to Chick-fil-A to Eatburgs to Maketo and my board member, uh, Eric Bruner Yang from Power 10. They walked alongside of us to provide meals and to provide support that we were able to put meals on files tables every day for a year and a half. But moving forward, what we did was we've had giant So out of that was birthed this Farm to Firehouse program. And Farm to Firehouse is a meal delivery program similar to Blue Apron or HelloFresh. But for us, we for every $10 we raise, it goes to the protein, produce, and packaging of the meal. If you've ever heard of any of these meal delivery companies, they deliver to your home. They give you the ingredients and all in the recipe to prepare a healthier meal. But there's one house they forgot about, and that's the firehouse. And that's where we come into play. And we give it to the firefighters for free. So our first recipe was Peruvian chicken, roasted sweet potatoes and coleslaw, a 640 calorie meal that we packaged up and delivered to each firehouse in D.C. and was able to feed over 2000 members. And Giant funded that program and cut a twenty thousand dollar check for us. So Giant is still one of our local grocery stores from this region, been here for, for decades. And so it's great to know that they, they stood up and, and helped participate and support in that way. It sounds like I, you know, I, I need to be down the firehouse uh, eating with you guys from what it sounds like. <laughs> but let me ask you this. How do you now gain support? How can people like myself or people that are listening to this, how can we donate and support to continue doing this? I mean, you talked about a year and a half worth, but we have to keep this going into into the future. Indeed. So if you go to our website, which we produce a ton of content, there is a donate link at the top of our website that allows you to donate directly to Food on the Stove. And that website is foodonthestove.org. And that's F-O-O-D-O-N-T-H-E-S-T-O-V-E dot O-R-G. So if you go to our website at the top right corner, there's a red donate button. You can hit that red donate button and the money will go to our farm to firehouse programs that we may continue to put healthier meals on firehouse tables. And what we've done to expand that is we developed an app that allows firehouses to now order our meals and we deliver it to the firehouse as opposed to us just showing up with meals. They can now deliver, we, they can now order from us and we deliver to them, still free of charge for firefighters. You and I have a mutual friend, Georgetown Butcher, Wendell Allsbrook. An awesome, an awesome man, an awesome man. And I'm glad he connected us. 
Absolutely. Similar delivery programs uh, out here, re- reaching people where they are and providing them with what they need. Wendell has actually helped us tremendously get started. Uh, he has been somebody that I have leaned on in his expertise of knowing quality food and what firefighters should have best when in terms of chicken and beef and things of that nature. Wendell has connected us with distributors and purveyors. So we're grateful for him as a partner, but I'm also grateful for him just as a brother to be able to willing to share information and resources that have helped us grow. The both of you are are really uh, blessings to all that contact you. And I just love that two brothers from D.C. that could have encountered each other in different set of circumstances are out here engaging each other and engaging this community in such meaningful ways, loving ways and selfless ways. You guys are really examples of what black men in America are all about. I totally agree. So we got the Farm to Firehouse program. You're now developing with the app and the delivery to the fire stations themselves, free of charge, as you mentioned. What are some of your plans for the future? Well, currently we are in uh, the third week of our study that we call More Food, Less Medicine, led by Dr. Michelle Johnson, where we have taken six firefighters and we have given them three meals a day for 30 days to see how food affects their body. We partner with LifeScan Wellness We've also partnered with Medic Health as a remote patient monitoring company. So LifeScan was generous enough to do the blood work for us through LabCorp. So each participant went and got their blood work done at the beginning. They'll have their blood work done at the end. And we partnered with the remote patient monitoring company, Medic Health, that was they were given a blood pressure cuff, a glucometer, and a scale that they are to check in every day. And we want to see how food is affecting their body over the course of that 30 days. Now, wait, Jonathan, I'm supposed to be the doctor here. Now, you out here, you out here doing blood work, equipment, and you're doing a a prospective study on how changing people's diets can decrease their medication requirements and increase their health. Indeed, indeed. And it's been going very well. It's been going very well. Yeah, I bet it has. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, who's turning down three meals a day? And and the thing about it is we're not really changing their diet that much. We're more focused on portion control and the increase of leafy greens via salads. Um, And our hope for this program is that whenever a firefighter is placed off of duty due to health concerns, whether that's high blood pressure, A1C levels, cholesterol, they can voluntarily enter our program and we will give them three meals a day for 30 days to help them get back to work faster. So at at the completion and conclusion of this study, we're going to submit it to NIH and hopefully we'll get this fully funded so that we can provide this service for firefighters free of charge. Come on, brother. This sounds scalable to me. This sounds like something that can benefit fire stations beyond our region here in D.C., nationally, regionally. I'm thrilled to hear about this. If this is going along in any of the ways that all of your other efforts have gone and blessed by God, then I have no doubt in the success of this. I I totally agree, Dr. Black. Uh, I think one thing that's important for me is that I define what success is for myself. And that's not driven by the amount of money we raise, but it's it's decided by the people, the one person or the multiple people we impact. It means nothing to me if food on the stove raises $10 million, even though we could use $10 million. It means nothing to me if we raise $10 million, but the firefighters we seek to impact aren't being impacted. 
you're shifting perceptions, but you're shifting habits as well. Once people get into this habit of eating in this way, you're not hungry. You're not without, but you're doing better. You're feeling better. Your energy's better. Your thinking is better. It's rooted in discipline. We have to have discipline in every area of our life. We often tell firefighters, we have to see food as fuel. I often ask them, if I gave you the keys to a Lamborghini and asked you, could you fill it up? What type of fuel would you put in it? And all of them respond, the best fuel. I will put premium fuel in it. And I ask them why. And they say, because I wanted to run properly. And I tell them we have to treat our bodies the same way. So discipline is at the core of what we're doing. You eat till you're satisfied, not till you're full. We want firefighters. One thing that I want to mention is one of the main reasons I started this is that and I want to be completely transparent about this, is uh, my dad passed away nine years after he retired. And, and part of being a firefighter is the robust pension that we get. Most jobs don't give a pension anymore. So my dad retired with 80% of his pension at Deputy Fire Chief Pay. And in the 80s, that was great. I grew up a lot more privileged than a lot of my friends did because my father was committed to the fire department and was able to climb the ranks to Deputy Fire Chief. But unfortunately, the way the pension works is that when he passed away, it got cut in half. So we went from 80 percent to 40 percent because they're not going to give your spouse what she didn't he or she didn't work for. So they cut it in half. But my mom is 18 years younger than my dad. So for every year that you're younger, it was one percent deducted. So we went from an 80 percent lifestyle to a 22 percent lifestyle. Oh my! So some of the fir- the first time I actually heard no was when my father passed because the money, the same amount of money that we had wasn't there anymore. And it led me to make some some difficult decisions, some wrong decisions. And I'm blessed to even be on the fire department because I end up getting two drug charges, which end up being thrown out. But it could have kept me from getting this job. But I often say if my father knew, and it wasn't because I needed the money, it was greed. I was used to having and I wanted to continue to have. So I decided to get it on my own. But I often say this, if my dad knew how it would have affected us, me as a 15-year-old boy, my brother is 18 years old. If he knew how it would have affected us, he would have invested just as much in his health as he did in his 457 or his pension, right? Because he would have known that in order for me to maximize my pension, I would have to stay alive. And we're not just fighting for firefighters, we're fighting for their families as well. And I often tell people that Food on the Stove was was started by a 15-year-old boy that really missed his father. I appreciate you sharing that that part of the background about where this really was born. I've said this, I say this to my own children, passion and energy, it's about where it's directed. Okay? Because the same the same passion that can get you say in the streets can have you as a CEO of a Fortune 500. It's the same it's the same skill set, okay? You went through the trauma of losing your dad and 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 you may have skidded a little bit. But look at what you've done with that same passion, that same honor of your father, that same resolve to provide not only for your family, your mom, but for those that you love. And and I think your fellow firefighters, those that eat together, those that suffer together and go through extraordinary circumstances such as fighting fires together, they stay together. That is a community, a brotherhood, a family. And you have found a way through your, your vision and your passion to provide for your family. And you're doing it in an extraordinary way. It's skillful, it's intelligent, it's visionary, and it's aspirational. And as I mentioned before, it is inspired. And I honor you, bro. 
Uh, uh, this is remarkable. I wish you nothing but the best with the study. I'm looking forward to hearing when it's submitted to the NIH and what the next le- what the next steps can be for food on the stove. There are fire stations all over in every community that suffer from the same line of duty cause of death, cardiovascular cause of death uh, that we see right here and, and can benefit from what you're doing. And we believe that we will reach them. I hope that we are serving some part of spreading the word right here. Go ahead and tell me where we can reach you, where we can follow Food on the Stove and where we can donate. You can find Food on the Stove on Facebook at Food on the Stove. Twitter will be Food on the Stove underscore. Instagram, Food on the Stove DC. And our website is foodonthestove.org. That's F-O-O-D-O-N-T-H-E-S-T-O-V-E dot O-R-G. And if you want to donate, you can go to foodonthestove.org and click that donate button. It's a red donate button at the top right-hand corner. It's a red donate button at the top right-hand corner. I'll reiterate that because we can definitely <laughs> use uh, the funds. We do a lot of giving. So we we hope that you will be as generous enough to give to us. And we hope that we can bless some firefighters through your giving. Absolutely. And this is a nonprofit organization. Question for you. Last question. Where have the Dalmatians gone? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> That's a little before my time. Um, but, but what we do, what we have seen is a lot of dogs being brought in back in service animals, I should call them, brought back into the firehouse due to the uptick in PTSD. Um, there's been studies that show how, how animals help with that or how dogs help with that. They're not actually Dalmatians, but we do have a lot of service dogs coming back into the fire service. I'm not sure how that will play out in the years to come. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where that. I don't even see many Dalmatians on the street, period. So I don't know where Dalmatians have gone. They definitely not at the firehouse. Though. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that it's a step in the direction of overall wellness for our firefighters. You know, when we talk about PTSD and, and support and service, mental health is becoming more of a well-needed discussion. And I think that uh, no better place than right here. These are frontline Workers, 70% are volunteers. We rely on them. And it's more than just fighting fires. They're the first on the scene when you're injured. They're there as paramedics and EMTs and and just uh, otherwise support for our communities. And this is great. John Tate, we could keep doing this forever, man, but I got to let you go. I would love to uh, check back in with you as we follow the progress of Food on the Stove, a true passion project of love, service, and giving. Man, look, I, Dr. Black, I appreciate you sharing your platform with us, allowing me to share my story. I think it's important that I create my own narrative because if I don't, somebody will create it for me. So I'm happy to tell my own story, to tell what God is doing through me and for the firefighters. So I thank you for sharing your platform, for even starting this Just Black podcast. I'm hoping to listen in to even more greater stories such as mine and others. The whole platform is to reach out and grab what's right in front of us. And they are extraordinary stories and you are extraordinary. And that's what this is all about. So it is an honor to speak with you. I'm so proud to be part of the community that you're servicing. Once again, this is Just Black Talking. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Black. If you know of someone that we need to speak to to highlight and magnify their extraordinary efforts, hit us up at Just Black Talking or JustBlackTalking.com. Okay, that's it. We'll check in with you in two weeks. 